On today's episode of the podcast, I interview Jared Hanning, a classically trained musician who figured out how to maximize his income and is now teaching the mindset to others. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Today podcast. My name is Trent, and I am very honored to have a special guest today. His name is Jared Hanning. Jared, why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, guys. My name is Jared Hanning. Hail from Columbia, South Carolina, living in the southeast where the weather is warm and the winters aren't torturous, I suppose. (laughs) Spent uh, the first part of my life as a freelance musician and uh, now spending the next part as a business coach. Very cool. So you uh, you kind of downplayed the musician part a little bit there. You were in the uh, South Carolina Philharmonic, if I'm not wrong, correct? Yeah, I probably spent 20 years with them. Um, the last 10 years as principal viola, um, I'm classically trained. So both my college degrees are in music. Um, and it's been a, a good amount of time doing crazy stuff there. Uh, but there was a, kind of an interesting development that I noticed about uh, income as a musician that I think pretty much any business um, could benefit from. Um, I was I was frustrated, felt like I wasn't making the money that I should be. And so I took my time out of the equation. Um, as a, a freelance musician, they're probably going to play gigs, um, play weddings or whatever, uh, teach lessons or whatever. Um, so the first thing I did is I took my time out of teaching. So parents weren't hiring me for half hour blocks or hour blocks, but they were hiring me to produce a result. Hmm. Now, if you're on the hook for the result, there's a lot of ways you can do that. And so whatever your business you're in, whether it's, it's real estate or uh, you own a coffee shop or you're a realtor, whatever it is, right? You have knowledge that other people can benefit from. So the first question is how can they get access to that knowledge without your time being the bottleneck? So what I would do is I would teach lessons one on many. Um, since it's one on many, there's no limit to the number of kids that I can work with at one time because I was I was out of the one-on-one model. That one move doubled my income teaching without wow. working more hours and without charging the parents more. Hmm. That one move. The second thing was, um, where else could you be receiving income? So let's say that you um, own a coffee shop and um, you've got a, a PDF report or whatever, and I can pay you 20 bucks to get your cheat sheet on running an efficient coffee shop. Um, that takes your time out of it and you can share your knowledge and you can get paid for it. Well, the second thing is now that I'm learning how to run an efficient coffee shop, what equipment do I need? And can I buy that equipment through you? When I first started teaching, what I would do is the kids would come to me. They'd say, Hey, what instruments should we use? What uh, equipment or accessories should we use? And I would say, Oh, don't give me your money. Take it down to the music store. Um, well, duh, that was dumb. (laughs) So I spent the 15 minutes it takes to fill out a retail license called up some music distributors. And then when my students would come and they say, hey, what instruments should we use or what metronome or strings or accessories? I would say, come back next week and I'll have it for you. Okay. Now that allowed me to receive retail income without having to warehouse or pay out of pocket to store supplies or anything like that. And, and then the third one is um, I stopped looking at myself as playing gigs and I started booking gigs for other musicians. Now that I'm booking, there's no limit to the number of gigs. So again, my time is out of the equation. So here you are teaching people how to run an efficient coffee shop. So you're getting paid with your knowledge. Your time is no longer the factor. Um, When they need equipment, you're giving them access to purchase that equipment through you with joint ventures or affiliate relationships. Mm -hmm. Heck, you can even go to Amazon and get some affiliate links for the products that you recommend. And then 
as your students are coming up, how can you book opportunities for them, right? So how can you leverage your brand and your platform to help them open other coffee shops or to help them get their own coffee students and, and to grow that way? Um, so those three things I would recommend to just about any business. Hmm. Very cool. Um, I like that, uh, that story. Um, and it kind of answers, uh, one of my other questions is how did you become an entrepreneur? You just, it was, sounds like you, you saw the opportunity, you saw the, the time wasted on some of these things and figured out a way around that. And now you've got a business kind of built around some of these things. Did that um, for a while. I'm no longer in full-time music. I've been out for about five years. Um, how I became an entrepreneur, um, I think it's just how my family is wired. My brother's self-employed. My dad was self-employed. Well, he, he retired from working for the government, and then he went on to be self-employed. Uh, my sister's self-employed. She owns a couple businesses. Um, so for whatever reason, the way my brain thinks about money is where can I go work instead of where can I get a job? Yeah. Um, so if it was like whatever summers and the kids were on break and I wasn't teaching lessons, I would go remodel houses yeah. um, or I would go invest in houses or I would go buy houses or I would go. Um, I, was, I was just always creating business opportunities that I don't know why my brain just solves <laughs> problems by creating opportunity instead of going to somebody that's, else to get it. That's not a bad problem to have. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's something we, we share as well because I, I flip houses and you, yeah. you flipped houses. And, uh, like you mentioned, you were, you're even on TV for that, uh, um, on ABC Nightline. ABC Nightline for a deal we had here in Whitmire, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Um, so during this process of, uh, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, becoming, uh, you know, a distributor, uh, you know, f figuring out your, your time and what would, would you say has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from that? Uh, biggest failure was doing the different tasks myself because mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't have the money to hire somebody. Okay. Um, oh, well, you know, if I had extra money, I could hire an assistant to take care of these tasks, which would free me up to focus more on that. But I don't have the money, so I still have to do those tasks. No, no, no. Um, now the work I do now with the Thinking Patterns of Success and the Nobel nominated mind scan and looking at why high-performing individuals that always have more than enough time and always have more than enough money, why they create that and how their brain solves problems differently. So if you are listening and you're, you're like, God, that's me. I'm in the same boat. If I had more money, I would hire help, but I don't. So I still have to do all those other tasks. I think that's a lot of the audience. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So um, one statement that I, I make is using a to-do list lowers your income. And, and it has to do with what we're talking about right now. Um, so if you think about your to-do list, if you were to look at the items on it, there's probably nothing on your to-do list that couldn't be outsourced for $10 an hour, hmm. um, provided somebody was trained on how to do it or they looked over your shoulder and copied you the first couple times or whatever, right? Right. So what, what's happening is by focusing on checking things off your to-do list, you're keeping your time on $10 an hour tasks. That's gotcha. why you don't have enough money to hire somebody because you're doing the $10 an hour task yourself and you cannot outwork that strategy. 
no matter how efficient you are at those tasks, no matter how fast you get them done, it doesn't matter. It's still $10 an hour work. You simply can't solve that bad strategy with stubbornness. So here's what you just did. You give up Starbucks if you have to, and mm-hmm. you hire an assistant for two hours a week. That's it. Two hours a week. You can do that. You yep. can afford 20 bucks, two hours a week. At the end of the month, you just bought yourself an extra day. With that two hours a week, you're going to spend your time on the highest income producing task, not the task that needs to get done the most, not the most urgent task, not the thing that was due yesterday, not the thing if you don't do it, you're going to have your lights turned off tomorrow. No, the highest income producing task. Um, that's a whole nother conversation to understand yeah. the math and how you yeah. calculate which one that is. But that will get you out of the rut of not having the money to hire an assistant. Very, very smart wisdom there. I think uh, I think a lot of people, if they did go ahead and hire an assistant, would go after the most urgent tasks. So that's that makes a lot of sense uh, to go after those highest income ones uh, because then you'll have the more income for them to take on more tasks and the snowball effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, well, this is where your, your, uh, your experience comes into play of being a coach and ha- the thinking habits of successful people. Um, so the coaching that you do now, I, I kind of want to ask you, what is the difference between a life coach and a performance coach? So when you go see a life coach, they're going to say something to you like, oh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think you should do? Um, Well, what you think you should do is what has you in the situation to start with. When you go see a strength coach, they don't say, hmm, what exercise do you think you should do today? (laughs) No, three of these, do two of those, come back and see me tomorrow. Yeah. Damn, now you've got the results. Yeah. Um, so when you go see a performance coach, they say, do three of these, do two of those, call me tomorrow. And now you're learning how to think at a higher level to access results that you didn't have earlier. Hmm. Very cool. Um, so you, you've used uh, this as your own experience, obviously, because uh, like we've uh, talked about, you've actually broke into the six figures while working 20 hours a week as a freelance musician. I mean, that's unheard of. Take your time out of the equation. How else yeah. can you get these things done without you being the centerpiece? Yes, absolutely. Um, so now you do, um, you focus, uh, you mentioned briefly this mind scan, the Nobel nominated mind scan. So that's kind of your, your entry level to talk to people and figure out their thinking habits and how you can correct them. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. When you go see the doctor, the doctor doesn't say, oh, gee, I don't know what's going on. Why don't you try this and let me know if it works? Mm-hmm. The doctor says, go down the hall and get an MRI. Come back and see me then and we'll know what to do. Yeah. Um, so when someone comes in and they're tired of hitting the same obstacles, don't have enough time, don't have enough money, uh, whatever it is, uh, there, there's no need to guess well, yeah. why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? I've, right now, I've pulled up on the screen in a, an example of somebody's breakthrough map. You can see how their brain solves problems by having focus in certain areas over other areas and value in certain things over other things. Um, this is what allows us to see, it only takes about 10 minutes to create this breakthrough graph for somebody, but it allows us to see where the blind spot is in their mind's thinking patterns. 
Mm-hmm. Um, remember that thing that was the life coach. The life coach says, hey, what do you think you should do? Well, what you think you should do is what has you tied up to start with. No matter where you're at, don't have enough time, don't have enough money, can't get the right support, can't train the right people, whatever it is, I promise you're already hustling. You're already working hard. You're already out there doing everything you know to do. So if you keep hitting those obstacles, don't have enough time, don't have enough money, it's not because you're not trying hard enough. You're already (laughs) trying hard enough. It's already not working. Second, everything you're trying to do to solve that problem makes sense. It seems like a good idea. It's logical. It's reasonable. It's rational. You've thought it out. It it makes sense with the situation circumstance you have. Of course, it makes sense. You're not an idiot. You wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Well, what that means is a breakthrough in your situation. The thing that's going to transform your experience and have you stop running up against that obstacle of not having enough time or money or whatever it is, your breakthrough will at first sound like a bad idea. If it made sense to do, you'd already be doing it, right? True. Yeah. And that's the pickle. The brain can't think of something that doesn't make sense. So by getting it mapped out with the breakthrough map, we're able to see where those wires have gotten crossed. We're able to see where a blind spot is. Just like driving your car, the only time you ever back into something is because you didn't see it. If you can't see it, you can't avoid it. Well, if you keep hitting, point. don't have enough time, don't have the money, it means there's something in the way your brain solves problems that it hasn't seen yet. And if we can't see it, we can't avoid it. So we get it printed up. We can see where the blind spots are. We can see where the strengths are. We can see where the next breakthrough is. And we can see exactly what you need to do today to get on that road. Very cool. So you you talk about these uh, blind spots. What are some of the most common blind spots that you see? Common blind spots come from undervaluing or overvaluing too much. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pull this off the screen. But so imagine um, somebody is really clear on what life is calling them to, re- crystal clear. And they are totally committed to that. They are going to honor what life is calling them to or bust. Well, that creates a blind spot. It's like going on a walk in the woods and having a map, a trail map with you to guide you. So far, that seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. But if you were to hold that trail map on the end of your nose, so the only thing you could see was the trail map, then you would run into trees on the way. And that's what it's like when you take your vision and you make it the only thing you can see. And that's why people, they get frustrated because they're like, I'm crystal clear on what I want to do and where I want to go. I can see it. It's right there. But it feels like life has taken way more effort than it should to get there. This is the kind of person that goes down to Disney World. They go up to the gates. They can see the entrance like, you know, 10 feet away. And at the last minute, the road goes to the side. And they say, I don't want to go to the side. I want to go right there. So they keep going straight. Now they've driven off the road and they're wondering why it's so hard to get to the entrance of Disney. Sometimes if we pull that back a little bit, it gives us the ability to see some other things that we had been missing. Similarly, you can have something that you're really good at, but never use it at all. Your Mm -hmm. brain just says, yeah, that doesn't matter. It's not important. Sometimes action takers people that pride themselves on getting things done, on hustling, on taking action, on checking things off your to-do list, they have a tendency, their brain has a tendency to not value the way people feel emotionally. Mm -hmm. So someone's talking to them and their brain's going, look, I know how you feel. I just don't care (laughs) because their brain has skipped down the road. Their brain's like, if you would just do this thing, you wouldn't be having this problem. Get, go do the thing. Their brain doesn't value that emotion. It values action action results, hustle, action results. 
It doesn't matter how you feel. If we're lost in the woods, we still got to go. It doesn't matter how you feel. Go, go get them. We'll solve it while, you know, sun's going down. Well, that creates a situation where going through life takes more effort than it should. They don't get the referrals that they should. They don't get the support that they should. They don't have people coming to them to form teams. It feels like pushing the ball up the hill every time they try to get teams together or crews or support or whatever. It's just, it, it seems like action gets results. But when we look at the people that always have more than enough time and always have more than enough money, they value the way people feel. Hmm. They value time spent planning. They don't value yeah. taking action. They value building systems. They value the way people feel. The stressed out individual values action. They're like more action equals more results. Okay, maybe. Look at your to-do list. Is there more on there than you have time to get done? All right, then it's not working. <laughs> the person that has more time and money, they value systems and people because that scales. Right. So they will give up doing the work today but tomorrow they will never have to do it again because yeah. they built systems and people to support them. I'm sorry. I talked too much. No, no, that's great. I, I appreciate that. So, uh, you know, you talked a lot about the, the hustle in there of, of what people's most people's definition of it is, is just that massive action. So how would you personally define the word hustle? Money is a conversation. If you don't have as much work as you want, you're either not having enough conversations or you're not as good as you think you are. But really, it's just the first one, because the more conversations you have, the more opportunities you get, and the better you get at it. So if you're not True. as good as you think you are, it's probably because you're not having enough conversations and getting out there enough and practicing enough. Yeah. Money is a conversation. If, if your bank accounts were frozen because some Ukrainian hacker took over all your money and you've got to pay a $200 cell phone bill today or you're going to lose your phone, how would you do it? You'd, you'd call your friends. Hey, guys, my accounts just got froze. Can you spot me 200 Money is a conversation. Hey, I'm looking for some extra work this weekend. Does anybody need a kitchen countertop? Money is a conversation. That's how that comes into our life. So hustle is about of having more conversations. It is not about doing more work. Remember, if okay. you're doing the work, you're falling behind. So hustle in my world is about having more conversations. Now, that's the first level because mm -hmm. you got to have like some money coming in. Okay, right? <laughs> and then to go to the next level... Hustle is about being busy, not being busy. To grow, your job is to build systems and people to support you. You can't do that if you're personally doing the work. Your job is to get busy, not being busy. Your job is to get busy building systems to support you and building relationships to support you. Mm -hmm. So the hustle on the next level looks totally different. Right. I mean, you look at some of the high performers that, you know, they have multiple companies and you think, man, I'm struggling just doing one. How can they handle seven or eight companies or 10 companies or whatever the case may be? And it's like you're saying, having the systems and people in place uh, so that they don't have to worry about those smaller tasks. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to jump back a little bit to that uh, mind scan, though. Again, you, we talked a little bit about... Uh, uh, the difference between it and like some of the more common uh, personality tests uh, mm -hmm. that we're, we're more familiar with. Uh, can you kind of explain the, the difference between those? So uh, when people think MindScan um, and they look at it, they're like, oh yeah, it's a personality test. It's like DISC or Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or Enneagram or Colby or wow, 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 wow. All right, here's the deal. Those assessments have their purpose 
and they're good for some things. Their weaknesses are where the mind scan shines. Um, one of the weaknesses of those assessments is they tend to be questionnaire based. And because you're answering questions, do you tend to do this or that? Your subconscious is gaming the system. Your subconscious is like, ah, I think I know what they're getting at. I, <laughs> and I want to be that kind of person. So I'm going to answer this way because I'm kind of working on that trait in myself. So what you end up with is results that aren't really accurate. They were okay. kind of gamed by your subconscious who's trying to be in control. And if you can imagine going to the doctor and the doctor walks in with somebody else's test results, well, that's the situation we're creating there. The second thing is they give you information that sounds exciting, but it's not actually helpful. Um, if you went to the doctor and the doctor says you have this trait, but we have a 60% success rate with it, that's information. It's not helpful. Right. We need to know what side of that 60% line you, the individual, are on. And that's what the mind scan provides. It doesn't say you have these traits and 25% of the population is like you. It says this is how you, the individual, solve problems. And based on that, we're able to see what you need to do today to walk through your breakthrough tomorrow. Very cool. Uh, so you, some of the things you deal with is mindset. Um, what would you say the difference is between mindset and attitude? Personality, attitude, positive thinking, um, that is wish-based, okay. um, hope-based. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, I am saying it's a dangerous thing. Hmm. Um, those are different. Like something can be dangerous and not bad. I'm just yeah. saying it's dangerous. Um, when you have hope, you tend to also have a lack of action. Um, if you think like during the political season, um, if you're talking to a voter during the political season, um, they will say, man, I sure hope my candidate wins. Oh, our country's going to be in trouble if my candidate doesn't win. Oh, I sure hope. Yeah. You're going to hear that hope word a lot. If you talk to a political activist, uh, somebody who's volunteering to serve on a candidate's campaign, they don't use the word hope. Mm -hmm. They're too busy doing something about it. They don't have time to hope because they're actually doing something. They're not hoping, they're doing. Yeah. Hope is a word that we use to make ourselves feel better and distracted from our lack of action. We get focused on hoping and we lose sight of the fact that we're not actually doing anything to yeah. make a difference. Um, so positive thinking is, is like that. Um, wishful thinking is like that. Having a positive attitude is like that. Oh, everything's going to work out. Oh, just keep trying. It'll get better someday. Oh, things don't stay the same for long. The, no, for crying out loud, trying harder won't get you there. If it would, you would have had your breakthrough by now. It, right? Trying hard. So this well-meaning uh, advice that you get from a mother-in-law or something, um, it sounds good, but no, it just makes the situation worse. Here's what mindset is. Mindset is a strategy. Mm -hmm. Let's say that um, you are with a nonprofit and you guys have to raise $10,000 this month. And so you go to work coming up with plans and strategies to raise $10,000 that month. And, and you're thinking about it and, well, we could try this and we could try that. What I would suggest is add a zero to that, go to $100,000 this month. Now, the first thing you'll notice is that you can't do it. 
it's impossible. No, it's only impossible given the way you were thinking about solving the $10,000 problem. Those solutions won't get you to 100. They will not work. So they break down. And then you have to learn how to think at a higher level. You realize quickly, okay, we don't have enough time to have one-on-one conversations. Um, Okay, we don't have enough money to print up that many brochures. Um, We don't have enough uh, space to hold an event that big. Okay, those aren't going to work. Those aren't going to work. But then you keep going through ideas and you find the ones that do work. Okay, but but we could um, get on the news. But we could have an article in the paper. But we could go. Now we're reaching 10,000 people at once instead of 10 people at once. You start thinking of more efficient ways to reach more people by spending less time. Next thing you know, you have got a workable plan. It might scare the hell out of you. It might be terrifying. It might sound like reckless, but you that could work. If you did these things, you could hit 100,000 by working less because you're doing more efficient things. Now that you're thinking on that higher level and you're seeing things more efficiently, suddenly $10,000 is no big deal. Yeah. Because your brain has a strategy in place. I like that. That's that's very good. And I think a, a lot of people get fixated on a number that they need right then. Or, you know, like you said, you need to raise $10,000 before the end of the month. And it's it's not serving them as well as going after that bigger goal, but with the strategy in place. So, and thinking, thinking in that mindset. So that's very cool. Um, so one question that I typically ask, um, is what's one thing somebody starting a business should be doing today. And, uh, you've kind of answered that a little bit in the, you know, not focusing on that to do list, but is there, um, would it be focusing more on their mindset or what would you suggest the first thing somebody starting a business does today? Sales cures all ills. If you're starting sales cures all ills. Um, It's easy to get started, get some clients and go to work serving those clients. You've got to keep your attention on sales. You have to push harder, delegate faster, quicker. Uh, It is better for you to not make money on those jobs because you're spending your profits on somebody else doing the work so that you can keep doing the sales because without sales, nothing happens. Uh, And that sales could look like customer service, the, you know, thank you gifts and baskets and thank you cards and keeping your energy there so that you're getting the referrals coming in. Um, But the priority is driving sales, not doing the work. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I've heard that multiple times over, you know, sales cures all ills. That's absolutely true. Uh, so just based on doing, you know, all these mind scans that you've done, um, what's something, what advice would you give to a, a struggling entrepreneur without even seeing their, their scan? Uh, I would, well, golly. <laughs> Without looking at their mind scan, I would ask them to write down how much time they're spending every day building systems to support them. I would ask them to write down how much time they're spending every day building relationships to support them. Um, Generally speaking, that seems to be what creates free time and more money. 
Um, I w- so I'm not interested in how they're using their time. This isn't like a time management thing. Um, we just need to track how much is being spent on things that scale. Because if you're doing the work, you're falling behind. That makes sense. And uh, like you've mentioned before, it's uh, it's about having those conversations. And, uh, you know, you can, you know, do your work at a coffee shop versus uh Versus at home, uh, like myself, where I'm in my basement right now, I could be doing (laughs) work elsewhere and making those conversations or even uh, podcasting has been a a great way to have the conversations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed the the process and enjoyed the connections and whatnot. uh, But um, it's, I haven't thought of it in the same way that you're you're describing. So um, that's that's a very cool way to think about it. Uh, so you've had uh, a good background in music. Um, how do you think that music mindset has translated into your um, success now? Um, part of being a musician is having kind of like a mental illness around <laughs> your vocation. Okay. Um, the only reason people are musicians is because they can't not do it. They like, they don't have a choice. They can't do anything else. They can't stop doing that. They can't not do it. And, and I think spending time in that world, it, it kind of shapes your heart and mind to, uh, I don't know, a sensitivity or clarity of value of honoring your sweet spot and, and honoring what life's calling you to. And that makes a difference um, when you start to solve some of these other problems in business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I think also uh, my outside perspective is uh, a musician has to be persistent to be able to learn something. And uh, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't necessarily as persistent as they should be in accomplishing some of their tasks and some of those uh, higher level tasks that you've talked about. Uh, so a musician, you've, you've got to be persistent until it's perfect. I mean, that's, there's no really other way around it. Uh, Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate all that you've that you've shared with me about uh, you know changing the mindset, working less uh, to accomplish more, and you know going after those higher income uh, tasks. Uh, it's it's really mind blowing to think of it because it's different than the way most people think. And uh, obviously, you've built a business around it uh, because it works, and that's you know something we talked about a little bit, but that's got to be really fulfilling to help people through these breakthroughs, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'd I'd be happy. Am I allowed to share a a free resource? So if if somebody wants to try the MindScan for themselves, um, just go to mindsetcall.co. Mindsetcall.co. And um, just try the MindScan for yourself. See what you think. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure to include a link in the podcast description so people can just directly click it from there. So uh, if this is interested to you at all, uh, I know it's 
it's very interesting to me. It's like, after we get done recording, it's like, maybe we should be setting up a, a mind scan for me, you know? <laughs> Try it. It's my joy to share it with you. And then we can set up another podcast episode to talk about it. There you go. <laughs> That's a good before and after. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I want to be uh, aware of your time and want to make sure that uh, I don't take too much of your time because as you, you said, you, you know, it's not about working more hours. So, um, I just, again, want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and appreciate uh, this call and all that you've shared with us. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yes, well, if, if you've gotten value out of this, I know I personally have. Uh, why don't you get out there and hustle the day? All right, my friend. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Hustle the Day podcast all the way through. I really appreciate that. I just want to let you know that I help small businesses with their online strategy. So if you or anyone that you know needs help with their online strategy and owns a small business, I'm your guy. Go ahead and connect with me at Trent V. Bray on Instagram or TrentVBray.com.